This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com, the home of the underdog. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Sneaky Plays Podcast. I'm Brian Gatino, and I'm here with Joe Duffy. Uh, we're here to talk about some baseball. What's going on, Joe? Not much, man. Uh, one of the more enjoyable opening weeks of baseball we've had in the past few years we got a lot to talk about absolutely a lot has happened already um a lot of reactions and uh as we will touch on later overreactions to some of the happenings in the game in this past week and a half so uh we'll hop right in um but first before we start i want to ask you uh what team has kind of stepped up and caught your eye so far to to start the year I think the simple answer is the Mariners um, team. No one expected to come out the gate like this, especially after getting rid of Paxton and all the pieces they moved, but you know, getting that start in Japan, getting those couple games in before coming back over here and starting, I think that helped them. So, I mean, maybe the hot start isn't as surprising as I think it is, but the way they're playing right now, they're definitely the one that jumps off the page. Yeah, they definitely jump off the page. I'm not quite sure how sustainable it is for them. Um, they always seem to have uh, – they always seem to be a streaky team each and every year. They always go on these runs, and you're like, oh, wow, the Mariners are pretty good. And then it's like they lose like 14 out of 16, and it's like, oh, okay, now we know who they are. So I'm kind of yeah. waiting for that to happen. Um, but right now, I mean, they're looking good. Um, some of their guys, like Tim Beckham, is playing, you know, out of his mind, and Domingo Santana is playing out of his mind. So, I mean, it, it, it'll slow down, I think. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, look, those are guys like Tim Beckham, uh, former top pick in the draft. He's a guy who's had potential. I mean, there are guys there that um, they do have a lot of potential, and getting in the lineup every day is going to help them. But I totally agree with you. Um, they're going to come down to earth. I mean – Look, that's a franchise that hasn't been in the playoffs in, what, 18 years? And, you know, the roster they're putting out there, I, I doubt it changes that. But at least they're giving their fans a jolt with a, a hot start here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it helps when uh, Felix Hernandez is like your fourth starter. <laughs> yeah, although um, even though he, he had a pretty decent start the other night against the Angels, man, that velocity's down. His stuff's just not there. It, it, that's not the same King Felix we're used to seeing. Oh, I know. It's, it's actually pretty sad to watch. It is. It's rough. And he's only 32, you know? I mean, I, th- I think that's what, 32? So you would think he still has some years, but, I mean, he's been doing it since he's, like, 20. There's a lot of wear and tear on that arm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know who's not sad to watch? Jacob deGrom. Not by any stretch. The, the guy's unbelievable. Um, so last night he tied Bob Gibson for uh, 26 straight quality starts. Um, he had 14 strikeouts. Uh, he had 10 strikeouts in his first start against the Nationals on opening day. I mean, how far do you think Jacob DeGrom can take this? As far as he wants. I mean, 26 consecutive, there's nothing about that as a fluke. That's a guy that every time he goes out has command of his pitches and knows what he's doing. So I think as long as DeGrom's healthy, he's going to keep continuing this streak until, I mean, maybe he runs into a lineup like the the Yankees that are healthy or the Phillies or a lineup that's stacked and they can maybe get to four runs on him in six. But, I mean, this guy's unbelievable, man. We haven't seen pitching like this in a long time. Yeah, I think it's also 31 straight starts with uh, allowing three runs or fewer, which is just absolutely absurd. Uh, the, he is just on another level right now, dominating um, in and out, curveball, uh, fastball, just absolutely domination. It's it's so incredible to watch him pitch. Yeah, and a little bit of run support last night, which we saw absolutely zero of last year. So that lineup's going to help him out even more this year. I mean, realistically, this is a guy that, if he comes out here and does this every night like we think he might, he could get up to 25, 30 wins. It's, he's going to have an insane year again. Yeah, exactly. If he gets run support, he's, he's easily a 20-game winner. Um, I mean, yeah, right now he's on pace for like 33 or something, so uh, we'll see if he can get there. Um, but, I mean, pitching in the NL East is eventually going to get to him a little bit, but I still think he's going to be the most dominant pitcher 
in at least that league and possibly all of baseball for the entire year. Yeah, I I don't even think it's a question. This guy's just – he's the best in the game right now. He's going to dominate. Obviously, that's a tough division, like you said, and he's going to run into trouble, but that's the best pitcher in baseball right there, and he's proven it day in and day out. I completely agree. Um, staying within the – some news in the NL East. Uh, so, Ronald Cunha Jr. signed an extension with the Braves for eight years, uh, 100 mil. Um, what do you think about this deal, and uh, did the Braves get a steal – uh, in this deal yeah I thought this was so interesting and the, the Braves got more I mean they they robbed Ronald Acuna and his agent in my opinion um look eight years a hundred million for a kid that's 20 years old that's great security to have and when you when you're that age and you see a hundred million dollars it's obviously going to be hard to turn down but we're talking about a kid with Mike Trout Bryce Harper potential right here that could end up being the face of the game a few years down the road. And had he waited and not taken that deal, you know, a year or two from now, he might have seen $200 million, 250 So I think that the security, it's great for him. I'm happy he got his money. But I definitely think the Braves got to steal with that deal. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a generational type of player. He He's going to be – one of the best players to watch in baseball over the coming years. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Braves, they got away with one. I mean, there's, there's no, they, they didn't lose anything here. Eight years for hundred mil. So they at least have them for eight years. They're only spending a hundred mil over that uh, time span. Their roster can change like crazy within these eight years and they'll still have him. So, I mean, win, win, I guess. Uh, in terms of maybe maybe Acuna just said okay whatever pay me 100 mil let's build around let's let's keep going um, you know let's sign some more players after me and whatnot but I mean yikes I I, I think he I think he got robbed <laughs> yeah I agree and I mean look for the Braves now you got him and Freeman locked up that's who you're building around and that that's fantastic for them um, what I'm curious to see how this affects the market for younger players, because obviously we've seen a lot of extensions recently, which we haven't seen in recent years. Players want to get to the open market. Um, now we're seeing a younger player extend before he even, and Eloy Jimenez too, who never even played a major league baseball game. He's another guy who signed an extension. So these guys aren't even waiting to get to the open market for the first time. They're uh, they're taking the security, they're taking the money and, they plan on staying put. It's a new trend going on in the game right now. One I, I personally like, I like the idea of uh, players staying put with one team for a long period of time, but man, I'd like to see these kids get the money they deserve. Yeah. So branching off of that, actually um, the blue Jays are looking to sign Vlad junior to an extension as well. After they saw uh, this deal happen. What do you think about that? I think they'd be smart too, obviously. And I think if, Vlad Jr., without playing a game in the major leagues, could probably, because of the name value, because of the type of prospect he is, he could probably get a deal kind of similar to Acuna's and base it around that. I think it'd be great for Toronto, but, man, Vlad, please go to the open market, dude. You're going to be worth $300 million at some point. You're going to be a Mookie Betts-type player, man. Just don't do it. Yeah, Get to the open market in your mid-20s. Get there again in your early thirties, sign two big deals and set yourself up for life. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think he's a, he's a player that uh, might need to wait a little bit, get some crazy money. Um, and I mean, the blue Jays are building. So, you know, if, if it, if they start being, becoming a good team and he's going to be the heart of it, um, maybe he signs the extension then, but I, right. I think he's better off. Exit Perfect point. You don't, see how things play out it's not something you have to rush into it's like obviously look it'd be nice to get that first big paycheck go right into the direct deposit but look do you really want to be stuck in toronto with a team that might be playing fourth or fifth in the al east for the next 10 years i mean i don't know about that there's obviously it's different for certain guys especially in baseball there's guys that want to get their payday and then there's the guys that really want to win why I guess we'll find out what Vlad Jr. is uh, pretty soon. Exactly. Um, so speaking of a guy who just got paid like crazy, uh, Bryce Harper returned to uh, D.C. the other night. 
And uh, what did you think about the DC crowd uh, as well as his performance in that game? Um, I mean, I I love it from a perspective that you got a real rivalry in the NL East now. And the Phillies and Mets are already one. Now the the Phillies-Nationals rivalry for the next 13 years is there. It's built in. And that's great for the game of baseball. Um, But personally, just as an educated fan, it's like, you're, the Washington Nationals organization offered Bryce Harper $80 million less million than the Phillies offered him. As if every single fan in that stadium wouldn't have done exactly what he did and took the money. You, you're going to boo him because he took $80 extra million? Come on, people, what are we doing? He gave you seven years, give the guy his props, and then we'll move on from there. And, you know, if, if you don't like him for being a Philly the years after, that's fine. But, I mean at least show the guy some respect in his return. That, that was the way I looked at it. Yeah, I, I think uh, so, you know, being around D.C. now, I've, I, I went to opening day, actually. Um, I mean, <laughs> booing him at his, you know, during the tribute, the tribute video, I think that was wrong. Um, like you said, he gave him seven years. Uh, he didn't get the money that he wanted um, with D.C., so he left went to the open market, found a way better deal. You can't really blame the guy. Um, I think as far as a baseball rivalry, maybe towards his second, third, fourth at-bats, all right, let, we can start booing him. He's not on our team anymore. We get that through our heads. But, I mean, the the tribute video, I mean, come on. You got res- to respect the guy. He, he made Nationals baseball pretty relevant for seven years. Um, I mean, along with Max Scherzer, but. I mean, this 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 city was buzzing because of Bryce Harper when he was coming up at 19, 20 years old, uh, put his heart and soul into the city. And, you know, I, I, I didn't like that disrespect that during his tribute, during his at-bats, I didn't really mind too much. But during the tribute, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And look, I mean, the, the Nats fans, they fueled the fire, man. He struck out those first two at-bats. That third at-bat he got up there, he was not striking out again. They that guy just is fueled off the energy from the stadiums he's playing in. And then look, every time he goes to nationals park now, he's going to be looking to crush that ball 450 feet and put them in a body bag with a bat flip again. <laughs> I mean, they, they fueled the fire. That's a real rivalry now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, it's great for baseball. Um, it's great for nationals baseball because you know, they nationals fans in general, they need this, like they need to win a division this year or else it's going to be a disappointment because, Bryce went to a rivalry, and Bryce put that that rival team over them. So they need all this fuel uh, to, to keep going forward, to keep showing up at games. Um, I mean, Bryce Harper right now is hitting 500 with with three home runs and five RBIs. So uh, his his Philly presence uh, has been heard uh, for the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, man, that uh, the security he's got in that lineup is unbelievable. He. Um... He, it's not that he didn't have it in D.C., but it's just the players around him are different. The guys in front of him in McCutcheon and Segura are putting the ball in play and getting on base, and then the guys behind him have ridiculous pop. Um, look, that's a rivalry that – and I, those two are going to come down to the end of the season battling for that division. We just had a must-watch baseball game on a Monday night or on a Tuesday night in the middle of April – or beginning of April, not even the middle of April yet. So this is, like you said, this is becoming must-watch TV. It's great for the game. And I think it's good for D.C. too because, look, when you lose a guy like Bryce, people, people weren't sure if that, how loyal that fan base was. They didn't really know on opening day are the Nationals fans going to come out and in waves like they did when Bryce was there. But they have so far, and that's great to see. I'm happy to see that the fan base is stuck with the team despite Bryce leaving. And now they're going to support the, their guys, and they're going to boo him and – going to be fun for the next 13 years man absolutely um can't wait to go with some more games at nationals park it's a it's a beautiful park um speaking of uh problems um obviously bryce was a problem for them for the nats on uh tuesday night but uh the indians outfield has a problem within their own system um (laughs) what can you say about the indians outfield right now and their lack of production uh as as an outfield and that's a team actually uh right now to start the season You know, I'd like to be a nice guy and try to find something good to say, but there's just nothing, man. I mean, Tyler Naquin batted third 
in that lineup on opening day, and what he strike out three or four times, he, the guy just didn't even put the ball in play. Mar- Martin has done little to not. I mean, this this outfield is bad. It's a disaster, and it's showing because they're not putting runs up. And we talked about it when we previewed the AL Central. That's why me and you both favored the Twins is because we knew they were going to have these problems putting up runs, and it didn't even take a week into the season to realize how evident that problem is. Yeah, with with this outfield, um, with nobody in the in their outfield hitting over two hundred, um, I think Jake Bowers leads the outfield average with hitting one sixty seven. Uh, what's the next step for this team? Like, what what can they do to to better their lineup? Nick Castellanos, I think, I think that's got to be the move for them right now. I think. Look, you didn't you didn't uh, trade Kluber in the offseason. You guys kept him. You just extended Francona two years. So now you kind of have this foundation still. You're going to rock with this team. You might as well build on it. Um, Look, Castellanos obviously has his defensive troubles, but that's a bat that you desperately, desperately need in that lineup. So I think before a team like the Dodgers or a team that's somewhere down the road going to be desperate or dealing with injuries and needs a bat, before they go after Castellanos, I think they got to make that move. Yeah, so um, we saw we'll, – we'll touch on it next. Uh, Plar going to San Francisco from the Blue Jays because the, the Giants really need an outfielder now. I think the Indians need to do something similar. They need something now because um, Lindor still isn't back yet. He just started doing baseball stuff, I think, yesterday or this morning. Um, and then Kimnis is also hurt. So, I mean – before the Twins start running away with this thing, I, I think the Indians need to do something now before it gets too late. Yeah, I mean, Twins 4-1 and one off the bat, and that's a lineup that's going to produce runs all year, and we're seeing it early. They they can score. They're going to keep doing it, and if the Indians are going to keep pace, they're going to have to score with them. Um, like you mentioned, the Pilar move, I think there's teams that are more willing to make moves like that during the season rather than waiting for the deadline. Um so, yeah, I think they just got to find a team that's selling and fits. I mean, they can't, they cannot play 162 with this outfield. There's just no way. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm right there with you. There's, it's not sustainable for them to have this outfield and, and win close to 90 games, which is what it's going to take to outplay the Twins this season. Um, I think the Twins are close to a 90 win team. And I think that's what the Indians are going to need to get to because uh, the Rays. Uh, Yankees and Red Sox are all going to have similar to close to 90 wins as well. So if they want to make the playoffs, they need to do something uh, before it gets out of their hands. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned before, we're going to talk about overreactions early in the season because there's already so many of them that have been thrown out. But I don't think this is an overreaction at all. I think this is an evident problem. And the the Indians have to take care of it right now, man, because – Look, if the longer we go into the season, we get to middle of May and all of a sudden the Twins are up 10 games and they're in a position where they can go out and get a pitcher. Like, this is the other thing we have to remember. It's not like the Twins didn't go out this offseason and do anything. They added Nelson Cruz. They added Jonathan Scope. They added C.J. Crone, Marwin Gonzalez. The Twins spent money and they're going to be willing to spend more. They're all in. So if the Indians are going to keep competing, they got to do something quick. Absolutely. Um so speaking of move that did already happen this year, we just touched on it. Pilar to San Francisco. Um, the Blue Jays received second baseman Allen Hansen uh, and right-handed pitchers Derek Law and uh, Juan DePaula. Um, what do you think about this move for both the Giants and for the Blue Jays? This one was interesting. For the Blue Jays, it's clear. That, I mean, they're just in full sell mode. Um, you, you kind of figured Pilar was going to get dealt at some point. I thought probably closer to the deadline but they pulled the trigger um, for the giants. It's weird because it's kind of like they're going to try to give it a run here, maybe until the deadline. And, and if they're in it, they'll go. If they're not, then they'll start selling. But the giants are just in no man's land right now. They're stuck somewhere in the middle of a rebuild and competing. And uh, this move kind of confused me in, in that sense, but I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the blue Jays, like dominated and won this trade. Um, they already have a guy in their system, Anthony Alford, who's, who's got called up already. He's going to be playing either center or right field along with Gritchick and McKinney. Um, I mean, the, the Blue Jays, I think they're on their way to start bringing up some of these guys that are down. 
And I think this was a move to jumpstart that. Um, Pilar is – he can barely swing out of his way out of a paper bag. Um, I mean, the – I don't know what the Giants are really doing with this move. I mean, obviously, Pilar is a gr- an electric center fielder out there. Um, one of the best – most range in baseball, arguably, maybe between him and Kevin Kiermaier of the Rays and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. But, I mean, I don't think this move puts – the Giants like over the hump or anything. I think they stay the exact same and they lost a, a good prospect in Alan Hansen uh, while doing so. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, Han- Hansen's going to end up playing for the Blue Jays at some point. So they, they not only sped up the process of their rebuild, but they got some, they got a good piece for them that's going to fill in. And it's not like Pilar was going to be there after this year anyway. So it's a great move on their end. But yeah, with the Giants, I mean, Obviously, that's a that's center fielder that's going to cover ground. And the Giants went out and signed Cameron Mabin in the offseason. He ended up getting hurt. Um, but look, I mean, like you said, Pilar is just – he cannot hit his way out of the paper bag. Um, that lineup already has its troubles. So I think adding a defensive center fielder does little to nothing for the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, I, I think their argument for the trade was that they needed a right-handed bat. But, I mean – there's a lot better right-handed bats <laughs> out there. You, you might have, I'm, I'm sure you can't, there's got to be one in the system that's on par with Pilar in terms of a hitter. You know yeah, what I mean? I agree. Like, so yeah, I, weird move, but Hey, for the blue Jays, at least it speeds things up because we, uh, the quicker Vlad and Bo Bichette are here, the better. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's move on to some of these, these overreactions that have been going on around major league baseball. All right, so some of the week one overreactions uh, in over uh, the course of the past week um, in Major League Baseball, across baseball tonight, some uh, LB Network stuff, is that uh, Sale isn't himself. Um, his velocity is down. His ERA is hovering around eight and two starts with four home runs allowed. So um, let's discuss, like, what's going on with this Um what do you think about the whole sale and Red Sox situation? I think that everyone needs to relax a little bit and at least wait till middle of April before we start jumping to conclusions like this. Um, look, the guy pitched into November last year. The Red Sox went all the way to the World Series. We have to remember he was coming out of the bullpen at points. He threw a lot of pitches. Um, look, he's definitely still getting into the groove of things. Um, it's not like he got out of that World Series and went right back to work. Uh, I'm sure he took his time off. Uh, probably took a little bit for him to get going in the spring. They they faced a Mariners team that had already played a couple games and was hot. So that was his first start of the season where he got roughed up. Um, that's a team that's locked in right now. They're beating up on everyone. So, yeah, I think we need to chill out. Obviously, the VLO being at 88 to start games isn't a good look. But give him some time. We we got to wait until we get, you know, until he gets acclimated, gets back into the groove of things. If he's throwing mid eighties in the mid in the middle of May, then we can start having that conversation. But right now, we we need to give that guy some time. Yeah, I mean, you could also see it with Nathan Avaldi and his rough his rough start. I mean, Avaldi was you know the the backbone of the team in the play in the World Series last year, and you can see. I mean, it takes some time. They they played into November. We need to relax. The Red Sox are still one of the best teams in baseball, um, and people just need to hold their horses. I mean, for crying out loud, the, the Orioles are 4-2. and two. Like, we need to just slow down. It's April 4th. Relax. Middle of May, end of May, start of June, you see where teams are at, and you, you can make some adjustments um, and some, some reactions then. But right now, first week of April, it's still freezing out. We need, we need to relax. Yeah, and it's not like – the Red Sox are going to sign that extension with him without doing homework and knowing if there was any issues with the guy, right? They're not, they're not the Mets. That's not what they do. So uh, yeah, I I'm with you. I give the guy some time Evaldi too. give him some time. He was the closer at the end of last season. You know, he wasn't even starting games in the playoffs. So or at toward the end of the playoffs, at least. So give these guys some time, man. Where, like you said, the Orioles are four and two. And I mean, 
They they might have actually surpassed their uh, preseason win total, did they? <laughs> I think their their win total for the for April has already been surpassed. So um, good for I them, mean, man. Look at Baltimore on the come up. Exactly opening opening day there today. Uh, might get a full ballpark. Most most likely not. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with no. Even though Camden Yards usually does get a pretty good showing, especially early in the year, I, I'm gonna have to go with no. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move on to some uh, some other overreactions around the league. Um, we'll go with some players here, uh, some hitters across the league: Chris Davis, Christian Yelich, and uh, and Cody Bellinger. Um, what are your some of your thoughts on these guys? Is it sustainable for some of them and not for others? Um, and uh, how about the home runs they're hitting? I think so. All right, I'll put that in two pieces. I do think that the way all three of them are playing is sustainable because they're all extremely talented hitters, uh, especially Christian Yelich. That bat's not going to slow down. Um, he'll be another MV, an MVP candidate again this year. But to already declare him MVP, we need to slow our roll here. Um, the home runs are gonna aren't sustainable. Um, we've seen it with Cody Bellinger in two years in the league. He's had his spurts where he crushes the ball, and then he has his spurts where he slumps for a while. Um, Yelich isn't necessarily what I would consider a home run hitter. Uh, Chris Davis of them is the guy that hits a bunch of home runs, but he's also a career. What what's it? He hits two thirty nine every year, two forty two every year. I think it's two forty seven. Two forty seven every year. Okay, so. You know, to think that he's going to come up here and pop 60 home runs this year while he's a great power hitter, that's something that is – that's definitely an overreaction. So the home, to the home run hitting, it's an overreaction. Um, you know, to their to the bats in general, obviously, they're three good hitters, uh, middle-of-the-order guys. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yelich, I'm not declaring him MVP yet. But, um, yeah, the home runs aren't sustainable to me. Yeah, so I'm kind of with you here. Um, I think Chris. So their numbers right now that 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 jump out to me is Chris Davis is hitting 212 with five home runs and nine RBIs, and I think that's exactly the type of player who he is. Like he's going to hit bombs and he's going to strike out a lot. He's going to get out a lot, but he's going to hit close to 40 home runs again, if not over 40 home runs. But his his average isn't going to go over 250. So he's he's doing exactly what we all know he can and will do. Um, Christian Yelich is similar. He is going to hit the ball out of the ballpark, but not at a crazy rate. He has four home runs right now, um, but he's hitting 375, and I think he's going to hit over 300 this year, which is which is something that hitters like him tend to do because he, he hits gap to gap. He gets the ball out of the ballpark. He doesn't strike out a lot, um, and he's just an over, overall great hitter. He has great back control. Cody Bellinger, on the other hand, hitting 438 right now, that's that's just a streak, um, right? Like you touched 100%. on, like you touched on. That's a streak. He's going to go on a streak where he hits two hundred. So, Dodgers fans, be ready for that. Don't just expect Cody Bellinger to hit over three hundred for the entire year. It's not going to happen. Um, I do think he will hit a good amount of home runs this year. Um, he has great pop in his bat. His swing is, I mean, beautiful when he makes contact. Anyway, um, and he will have a good amount of RBIs. But to, you know, it's to say he's going to keep these numbers up, it's it's that's definitely a fallacy. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And yeah, like you said, the the home runs will be there for Davis and Bellinger, but the on base percentage, the the average there, I mean, for Davis, it's on it's on par right now. But for Bellinger, that's going to fall off the table. And then Yelich, it's kind of the opposite of the, the other two. He's going to keep that average up, but the home runs are going to drop. So. Obviously, some good signs early from the guys, but consistency both ways, as in average and home runs, there's going to be some fall off for everyone. Yeah, of course. And and while, you know, it's too early to say, oh, they're at the MVP now, I think they will all be in the race for MVP towards the end of the year. Um, I think Yelich will be more at the top than Bellinger, and I think Chris Davis will be somewhere in the middle of the pack because it's so loaded with Mookie Betts and, and Trout up there. Um but, I mean, I think the, all these guys are going to have great seasons, and obviously they're off to great starts. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely – like I think this year it'll be tougher for a guy like Yelich to win that MVP than it was last year. Um, Chris Bryant's going to be healthy this year. Harper in a new uniform. Just a lot of movement in the National League, a lot of new things happening. Goldschmidt in St. Louis. So I, I definitely think it's going to be tougher for him. I think he'll be in the race all year, like you said. But 
to to just come out and declare him MVP after hitting four home runs in the first four games. Let's come on, guys, to relax. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's obviously great to see that he's still continuing this hot streak. But yeah, again, April fourth, we need to relax. Oduble um, Herrera was on base forty seven straight games last year, guys. These, these things happen. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's. Uh, we already touched on a little bit of about the Red Sox. Um, but let's combine the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, even with some of the injuries to the Yankees and the lack of starting pitching right now and the bullpen for the Red Sox, what do we think about these teams going forward? Um, do we need to relax on their uh, on their struggles uh, in the early part of the year? Yeah, I think for both of them, we uh, we have to relax, especially the Yankees because everyone is hurt. the The entire roster is banged up, messed up. Stanton's not been in the lineup. Uh, Didi obviously out Severino not there to pitch so they have their issues with injuries and to start the season like that I mean look you play Baltimore and Detroit obviously you want to come out of those games at at least 500 but yeah I mean we're at the very beginning of the season it's going to take these guys some time to get acclimated to playing with each other because they're not used to it it's not the same team right now and then the Red Sox the bullpen is something that it's definitely not an overreaction. The bullpen is a problem that they're going to have to share up. But the starting pitching and, and the bats, that's all going to come. They're still a team filled with a bunch of all-stars. They're going to be at the top of that division, if not winning that division again at the end of the year. So, I mean, it both, and that goes for both of the teams. I think, uh, you know, once we get into May and they're, they're getting healthier, we'll see them at a tip-top form. But for right now, let's – you know, let's let the Yankees and Red Sox play and see uh, see what some of these filling guys can do for now. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the Yankees had going into the season one of the easiest schedules in all of baseball throughout the first 50 games, um, playing the, the Orioles a bunch and, and whatnot. Um, obviously, you saw them struggle. But like you said, they, their lineup isn't even close to what it's going to be towards the middle of this season. You have injuries to Stan and Duhar. Um, now Tulowitzki, Severino hasn't pitched. CC Sabathia hasn't pitched. Um, it's it's you know once their roster gets back to where it's at, it's going to be fine. I mean, for crying out loud, Greg Bird was taking ground balls at third base the other day. Yeah, how uh, what a disaster that was. I, I mean, <laughs> guy can't even field a ground ball at first base. You want him going to third? Come on, man. Well, yeah, I mean that's where they're at right now. Um, obviously you have guys like DJ LeMay who can play all over the infield, which helps a, a, a big deal. Um, uh, but now he's, he's needed more than ever. Uh, like that move is becoming one of the biggest moves in free agency because he's going to have to play every single day right now. And he's been a good glove and he's been a good bat for the Rockies and throughout his career. So he's certainly needed right now in, in New York. And, we talked about this. He should have been playing on opening day for that reason. You got to let the Troy Tulowitzki should have never been starting on opening day. And a guy like DJ LeMay, who should have been in that lineup, gotten all six of those games under his belt to get, get himself ready. Um, he's in a new, new ballpark, new team. That's a guy that's got to get acclimated to the scene and, you know, sitting on the bench while Troy Tulowitzki's crying after a single is ridiculous. So, that, that was one of their biggest problems for the beginning is you got to play the guys that are going to be playing for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, when we covered the AL East, we, we talked about Tulewitzki and how he really shouldn't even be there. Like, obviously, it's cool you got him for only $2 million, but, I mean, he's injury prone. I mean, God, he's just not the same player he was four or five years ago, and I, there's no way he should have been the starting shortstop for New York Yankees. There's no way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Look, I, I'll preface this by saying I'm, I'm a Troy Tulowitzki fan, and I have been for a while. He was one of my favorite players in the league when he was in Colorado, and this isn't an indictment on him, but it's one on the, on the Yankees. And it's them always having to be about business when the fact is this year, 2019, they should be worried about A, a World Series, and B, developing the players that are going to come up over the next, the next few years or that are already up. And obviously, Tulo has name value. They got him cheap. And obviously, there's appeal there because the Yankees are a big market team that didn't really make a big splash in the offseason outside of the Paxton move. But unfortunately, it's just not the same Troy Tulowitzki. Um, injuries and age caught up, and everyone knew that. 
So instead of, you know, for them, it was instead of letting their top prospect, who's a shortstop in Glaber Torres, play and develop, while Didi's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, you, you let the kid get comfortable out of his position. But no, you run Tulo out there, a guy who's a shell of informer self. He's hurt six games in. I mean, it should have been Torres' job from spring cha- training. And, you know, we shouldn't have had to see one of the most electric hitting shortstops ever crying on the bases after he hit a single on opening day. Um, it's not, this isn't fighting. It's not boxing, but you know, it's good to see guys go out on top. You don't want to see guys come to the end of their career and just fall off a cliff. You know, I want to remember Troy Tulowitzki for the player that he was in Colorado, not the guy with the blue Jays or the Yankees. And, you know, for the Yankees to do that just to benefit their pocket or to create a trade asset. I mean, that pissed me off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Tulo was one of those guys that I also loved when he was in Colorado. He's been using the same glove for like, I don't know how many years it was. It was like 10 or 15 years that he was using the same glove. Like, that was cool to see, like, growing up, you know, you know, him him taking pride in, in the way he plays and whatnot. And it's just sad to see that, uh, you know, what's going on in New York with him. Um, obviously, it stinks that he's injured. Like, I don't wish him to be injured. Um, but we kind of saw it, right? I mean, we foresaw what was going to happen. He's he's unable to play shortstop on a daily basis now. It's it's sad. Yeah, I mean, look, I just I don't I just don't think he should be playing anymore. Period. Um, when you're getting hurt like that and your body's just beat up, I mean, man, it, like I, I don't want to be the one to say hang him up because obviously that's your career. You have a family. You want to make money. But you, you'd like to see your favorite players go out on top, and that's what I'd like to see with Tulo too. Yeah, so, I mean, like we just touched on, I'm not too worried about the Yankees and Red Sox. Obviously, um, you can see how well the Rays have been playing, though, in the AL East, and the Red Sox and Yankees are going to need to play really good baseball if, if they don't want the Rays sneaking up behind them and winning this division. Yeah, and, and look, if – if the Rays want to win that division now, I mean, I know it's April, but now's the time to jump on it and build a lead because while these teams are struggling and you're hot, you can create some separation that we're in the mid season. Even when the Yankees and Red Sox get hot, they might not be able to catch up. So this is a big spot for the Rays right now. They have some opportunity here. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's, you, you kind of saw that's what happened last year when they started roughly one in 13. Um, I mean, they made their they climbed their way back, but that one and thirteen start really does matter. Um, we don't want to take that away from all these overreactions that oh, the record doesn't matter. It's just you know, it give them a little bit of time. Like the Yankees aren't going to go out and start one and thirteen. Like we know that. Neither are the Red Sox. They'll turn around by next week. Um, so yeah, like like you just said, the Rays. You know, keep on winning. And, and keep a flow at the top. So you have, if you do fall off a little bit, you're still still right there neck and neck. Um, so speaking of some moves that could like maybe help teams um, and stay afloat and, and get better and compete, um, Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel are still out there on the market. Um, what do you think about these guys and who needs who right now? Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers need Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I think it's a perfect fit right now. Canables hurt. Jeffress isn't there. Uh, haters, obviously, the workload early in the year isn't what they would like for him. Uh, I think Kimbrell's the perfect fit in Milwaukee right now. Um, you know, I would at this point, you would have to assume they've already talked because of the bullpen problems in Milwaukee and wanting to preserve Hater. So I, I think that's a natural fit right there. The Keuchel one, I, I just still don't know. Um Atlanta still makes sense to me. I, I said it when we previewed the NL East. Um, that's a team that's got a lot of young pitching still. Uh, Faulty's on the DL right now, or the IL, I should say. Don't want to be insensitive. Um, but, yeah, Faulty's on the IL. Uh, Nukem, Nukem was good in his first start. or Nukem was decent in his first start. But, you know, there's room in that rotation for a guy like Heichel, especially in that ballpark they play in. Yeah, um, so for Kimbrell – it's for me. It's either got to be the Brewers or the Nationals. I mean, the net like Trevor Rosendahl has. I don't even think he's recorded an out as a National so far this year. It's a huge issue in 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 DC. Um, and then for Milwaukee, yeah. I mean, Josh Hader's been a workhorse, 
and he's been only throwing fastballs because he knows he has to be that workhorse. <laughs> yeah, and he's still getting out. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's um, it's amazing, but he, it's that's not sustainable. I mean, obviously, he's going to be really good for the entire season, but you, you need someone else there. Um, like you said, they, they don't have Knievel or Jeffers right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think Kimbrell's a fit for both of those teams, especially teams that need to compete uh, or com- trying to compete and win a division, um, in tough divisions anyway. Right. And then for Keuchel, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys where I don't know. Obviously, he's still good enough to pitch in the major leagues. Like, he's two or three years away, uh, removed from Cy Young. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense for Atlanta. It makes sense for Tampa Bay, um, only having three starters. Um, Obviously, they love the opener, but, I mean, adding another lefty starter wouldn't hurt their team. Yeah. so I, I don't know. I, I don't think Keiko will hurt a team, but I don't think he's going to move the needle crazily on majority of the major league teams right now. No, I, I agree. And I, I, I kind of think Keiko's still looking for that Arietta deal that he got with the Phillies last year. Um, Arietta was in a similar, similar situation removed from the side, a couple of years removed from a Cy Young year. It's just Keiko's not going to get that money. And it's clear at this point he, and the years probably won't be there either. So at this point, look, I'm not telling him to sign an Adam Jones deal one year, three million. But what I would advise him to do is sign with a contender, man. Make sure you go to a team where you're going to be competing and that those games matter and the team around you is going to be competing. Because if you just go somewhere for money and for a year and you're not getting any run support because the guys are just the lineups, uh, you know, all, all messed up and makeshift here and there because team the team's not competing then you're not going to get wins you're going to be trying to do too much on the mound to preserve your your numbers to get yourself a better deal the next year so what i keiko's got to go to a contender yeah 100 percent agree i think i think he more than kimberl needs to like really really check himself and you know f- figure out what he needs to do find a team start pitching again um I mean, he's too good of a pitcher to not be in the major leagues right now. It's 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 really sad, honestly. Um, obviously, he's, he doesn't deserve a crazy contract, but he, I think he deserves a good one. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially, dude, this, he's a ground ball pitcher, man. And look, obviously, he he's lost some of his stuff. It's not the same juice he had a couple of years ago, but he can still pitch to contact to get out. And as a pitcher gets older. You know, that, that like we said early with Felix Hernandez, he's lost his stuff. That's something he doesn't do. He doesn't pitch well to contact to getting out. But that's something Keiko can do. So I think even though the velo's down a little bit, the stuff might not be there, he's still a very, very, very serviceable pitcher. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, so hopefully we see these guys on teams before, uh, before we talk next week. Um, but if they're not, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it yet again and, and see uh, – where the numbers are at with each team. Um, let's move on to some fantasy baseball to wrap this up. Um, we won't go too crazy. It's obviously like we just, we've been talking about all, all the podcasts long. Um, it's early. Um, no need to overreact on some players, but they're there to me. There's, there's two players that are sticking out to me that really do need to be possibly dropped from your team or at least bench for a, a, a long period of time. Willie Adamas and uh, Jesse Winker, um, two guys really struggling with the bat. Uh, Willie Adamas is hitting uh, 043. Uh, he's one for 23 on the year. And Jesse Winker is 0 for 13 on the year. So um, numbers that really pop off the screen right now. Yeah, um, we're talking about like some Zach Eflin hitting numbers there. And for those of you who don't know, that's a starting pitcher. <laughs> um Look, I, I completely agree with you. Those are guys you have to temper your expectations on right now. I don't necessarily think uh, for Adamus that's something that's going to continue. He's an extremely talented player. I think the bat's going to come around sooner rather than later, but I agree with you right now. Uh, those are two guys to temper expectations. And I got another one for you, and it pains me to say it, but David Robertson's uh, a guy on my, I'm in the same boat on with you. Um, it has been a rough start for Robertson the Philly signed him hoping he could come in be their closer like he was previously a few years back in his first stint with the Yankees and then the White Sox but it just has not come to fruition um 
blew the game against the Nationals yesterday. Three walks, walked in the game-winning run in the ninth after the Phillies were down 6-2, made a comeback and pushed. Um, so, yeah, David Robertson, until you see him, you know, really putting it together, I don't think you can give him a roster spot right now. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty tough to watch. Um, maybe he's getting acclimated to being on the Phillies as opposed to in New York. Who knows what it is, but right now it's definitely a struggle. I watched him walk those guys yesterday, and a lot of those pitches weren't even close. Um, it was wild. Yeah, he's got little to no control of his stuff right now. And it's not its not that the stuff isn't there because he does have movement on his pitches. He's still – the velocity is there. It's just location has been a huge problem. And until he figures that out, I mean, he's going to continue to walk guys and he's going to con- – Yeah, absolutely. So on, on the flip side, um, as opposed to dropping players, um, talk about some adding some players for me. Three guys kind of pop off the page in Colton Wong. Dansby Swanson and Shane Green. Um, Dansby Swanson, for the reason that he's owned in only 11% of leagues, um, I noticed that this morning. Um, Shane Green, his his ad uh, percentage went up from 38% ownage to 52% ownage. Um, rightly so. I mean, he has four saves already on the season. He's the only guy there for the, D- the, the Detroit bullpen that's going to get saves. So he's a guy that um, – you could roster it and be content with if you're, you know, if you have David Robertson on your team, that's an easy switch for me. Shane Green for David Robertson, right, uh, straight up. Um, and then Colton Wong, his his percentage went up crazily in ownage from two percent to fifty eight percent so far. He's hitting four seventy six with three home runs. Um, while I don't think his numbers are completely sustainable for the entire year, I do think he's he's a guy that, uh, that's worth rostering. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I even think Colton Wong's a guy that could win a silver slugger at second base in the National League. Uh, he's a guy that's been underrated for a really long time. So I, I completely agree with you on on that. I agree with all those pickups. And the, the Shane Green-Dave Robertson swap would be a good move at this point in the season. Um, yeah, some ads I got. So we had that Daniel Murphy injury in Colorado. So I think to fill in at first base, if you own Daniel Murphy or if you're looking to stream first baseman, Ryan McMahon, Mark Reynolds, Garrett Hampson, whoever ends up getting the majority of time at first base in Colorado, I think is worth owning until Daniel Murphy comes back. And then uh, two others I got are Wilmer Defoe and Clint Frazier, strictly because they're going to see a lot of playing time because of the injuries on their team. Uh, Trey Turner is going to be out for a little bit while Defoe's not nearly – the same bat or the same player, he's still going to be starting pretty much every game Turner's out. Uh, Frazier, while Stanton's out and Duhar's out, Frazier's going to be getting some run with the big club. Uh, So I think those are some pickups everyone should look into. And then if Michael Franco is available in your fantasy baseball league, you best roster him right now before he's 100% owned because him hitting in that eight hole, He's getting back to form right now. He looks like that 30-home run guy everyone thought he could be when he first came up. He was intentionally walked three times the other night right before the pitcher spot. Guy's getting on base. He's hitting for power, and he's seeing beautiful pitches in that eight hole. So I think Michael Franco is not only a player that can you can roster, but that you could slide in and start at third base for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, like you touched on with the, the injury of Daniel Murphy. Uh, Ryan McMahon is going to get a lot of run at first base for the Rockies. Um, he's a good bat, left-handed bat. So, obviously, you need to watch out for matchups there. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's going to be playing first base pretty much every, every day. Um, he can also play second base and 3B as well. So, um, I'm not sure his positions uh, as far as fantasy goes where you can play him. But, obviously, you can slot him in the infield. Uh, slot on your fantasy uh, in your fantasy leagues, uh, so that's a good pickup. Defoe is also a good pickup. Definitely a guy that he plays a bunch of positions, so you can use him different ways in fantasy. Um, and yes, M- Michael Franco. I mean, he's he's going to have a great year if he's available, which he really shouldn't be um, at this point. I think people should have added him already. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely going to be one to uh, look for throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and then. Um... Well, if the, if the two Mariners, Tim Beckham, Ryan Healy, if they're still available while, you know, if you're looking out, I don't think their numbers are sustainable for the season. But if you're looking to get out to a, a good jump and you have some roster spots available or some guys on the I.L., 
these are two guys that can fill in right now. They're hot. They'll put up some numbers for you in the meantime. Yeah, um, a lot of I've seen a lot of people adding Mariners players, mostly hitters, as well as uh, Blue Jays pitchers. Um, I think people need to chill out a little bit. <laughs> uh, the Blue Jays pitchers are not going to be doing what they're doing right now for more than two more starts. So um, obviously, like you just said, if you want to win this week, maybe maybe add Matt Shoemaker or Marcus Stroman, um, but. I think after that, it's it's going to be a, you're going to notice some struggles uh, down the road. Yeah, I mean we've the Mad Shoemaker thing. We we kind of see this almost every year where he gets out to a hot start and then he either falls off a cliff or he gets hurt. So I I wouldn't add Mad Shoemaker uh, if you if you need a spot start here or there. I get it, but that's definitely not a guy I would roster for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so that wraps up all of our baseball talk uh, for this week. Before we Completely wrap up. Joe, Final Fours this weekend. What are you looking at? I'm looking at my Texas Tech Futures ticket. I put $50 on them at close to plus 2000 So I am hoping for a gigantic payday. <laughs> well, as a... that's, all, that's all I'm looking forward to in the Final Four. My, team, my team's out. I'm hoping for some good basketball and some Texas Tech victories. Well, uh, I'm a Michigan State fan, so... Uh... And I'm the only person that had him in my bracket out of 20 people to go to the championship, let alone win the whole thing. So uh, if they win this Saturday night, I'm, uh, I'm looking at a really good amount of money. So <laughs> I'm hoping it's that. I actually also hope Auburn beats Virginia just because, you know, I don't like to see Virginia there. I, I would like it, too, just because the style of basketball is obviously much more pleasing to the viewer. Um, but, man, that Virginia team – can shut down that three-point shot and that's that's Auburn's bread and butter if it's not falling they're going to be in for a long night I, I I think Virginia wins that game and covers yeah well either way it's going to be a great weekend of basketball um can't wait for it um there's so much baseball on too it's amazing um great great time for sports NBA is wrapping up NHL is wrapping up um playoffs start next week for those leagues so some good stuff um everyone have a good weekend. Enjoy some baseball. Enjoy some basketball. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Sneaky Place podcast presented by JoggerMag.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please smash that subscribe button and follow us on Twitter at PlaySneaky.